Hello, and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Cochin. And you're listening to episode 99! Oh my goodness, I got a little yes. militaristic on that one. You did, you got very excited. Uh, sorry, anyone who's wearing very sensitive headphones, you're now deaf. Uh, he's excited because it's a palindrome, and because it's it's kind of a big one. We got 100 on the horizon. Ooh, yeah, I can see it. It's... I, can I be frank with you? I was picturing episode 100 as a human standing over a setting sun, just like waving their butt at us. Like, ooh, that's pretty saucy. I like that. I like that visual. Well, it's we a keep scandalous. We keep it scandy. We keep it saucy. Mm, we bounce keep around it here. Loopy, all that stuff. Yeah, all those. And 99 to Poundrome. That's same forward as is backwards. It's basically the race car of podcast episodes. Very exciting for us. And we were talking to. Especially, this is a good follow-up to our last episode, a really, really incredible filmmaker who's had a couple of staff picks, and this was Jason Sondi, who formerly was leading the staff picks team curating over there, and now is off, not on his own, but on a different venture with Short of the Week. Dot com and that's a fantastic source for incredible short films I, I would advocate you go check that out before you listen to this just to get a sense absolutely and it made a lot of sense what we were talking about we were talking about cream um, basically how to understand quality and excellence in whatever field whatever artistic or creative pursuit that you're doing uh, there are certain ways that we can understand work uh, in how it pertains to excellence and craft uh, and it isn't always about, as Jason kind of clarifies, it isn't always about just technical mastery. Though that does have something to do with it. It depends on what metrics you are putting against quality, and it changes from person to person, from venture to venture. And it ended up being a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuggets and pieces of insight for people from all walks of the creative life, not just filmmakers, although especially for filmmakers, hearing someone who was literally clicking yes on I don't know if that's what it looks like at Vimeo but yeah 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 leading that team uh, and is currently you know he, he's a really great source of, of insight for filmmakers uh, to figure out what's what's good what's bad speaking of what's good Vince not of what's bad strictly yes. of what's good yes uh, shouts out to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the podcast I think we can agree Squarespace is quite good. I, I would say, yeah. yeah. We've yeah, been I, on I, it for, at this point... Three years now, almost. Two and a half years, three years, coming up on three. I've done countless client websites. I actually had someone uh, Snapchat me today. It said, LOLOLOL, this is you. And it was the Egg Music website. It was their intern who is currently editing the site. Oh. And because of... Uh, it's, I used to be working on that, so it was under Grant Spanier, the account. And that's a great website. Our website is on Squarespace. That's 10khrs.co. Squarespace makes great websites, and it makes it easy to make great websites. And it's kind of just the most no-nonsense, beautiful, intuitive way to do it that exists so use it if you're gonna use it and if you don't you're an idiot um a total fool <laughs> a dunce uh use our offer code 10,000 hours that's one zero well one well okay. oh this joke again I was worried that we weren't gonna tell this one wait what I was worried that we weren't gonna do the bit where you say one zero no wait there's more than one zero I'm not sure what you're saying this is episode 99 though Vance is a palindrome let's not get caught up in Numbers here, it's one, zero, 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 zero. 
H O U R S. That's 10,000 hours. That's going to get you 10% off. And that's just simple math. Speaking of math, Vince, you flip that nine around, just put two of them together, you got episode 99. Ooh, exactly so. So thank you, Jason Sandy, for joining us for episode 99. Uh, thank you, Squarespace, for making a wonderful product. Thank you, listeners, for being with us through almost 100 episodes. Hope you enjoy episode 99. Cream. Do you think we'll put out 100? What if we just stop here? Voices get so much criticism. <laughs> so <laughs> only I, by the native speakers you attempt to imitate. Oh come on! No, I never attempt to imitate in front of anyone except for you, and then you shoot me down. So I don't take my art outside <laughs> these these walls, these podcast uh, you walls. Get, you get shot down. I thought this was a safe space. I know. So you're right. I. No, you're right. And I'm you're trapped right. in in uh, my own creation. What have I done? Vin. Grant. Quick aside, I'm just realizing, I've never once thought this throughout the duration of our relationship, uh, that Vin is like the identifying code on a vehicle. Are you familiar? I mean, now that you mention it, yeah, I, I always knew that the VI and the Vin was like a, something you used if you try to track down a car, but I never made that connection I have personally to in my vehicle mind. vehicle identification number? Sounds like yeah, I think that's right. That sounds right. Man, every day, Vince, we, we make new connections. That's why you listen, to learn. <laughs> Speaking of anything, Vince, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Uh, top five all-time segue. Uh, I'm just back from Los Angeles on my first ever commercial production, which was amazing. It was a whirlwind, 15-hour day. Surprisingly but- relevant for our guest today but who some foreshadowing what wow. uh, but <laughs> i know <laughs> this is higher budget than we're, we're used we're, to yeah we're such we're such excellent storytellers here on the cast uh but yeah it was it was amazing it was amazingly busy uh but it was also fun and now we're into the editing process we're picking takes you know it was a one it was a one take you know continuous shot so no cuts Ooh. um so that's like an added dynamic and getting back on top of all the other clients I neglected while I was traveling. And I've been doing some reading, which has been really fun. I'm really on a kick. The The travel definitely helped that out. But I've been tearing through some literature, which has been really fun. Um, so, yeah, been busy. Grant, what about you? What have you been putting your time into recently? Uh, just, uh, just over the hump on a music video that I'm super relieved on. It was like the big, I would say the middle portion and the biggest scene of the video and that was like it's kind of this like party ravey kind of scene and this is pretty low budget production so there's like a lot of sweat equity and other things that go into that and just like getting people there so that we probably had like 35 30 people on set last night and that went till like two or three in the morning it's just pretty intense so we are done with that the footage looks fantastic so i am a happy camper that is very, very awesome to in, hear, man. Con- in, congrats. I know, and it's funny Hope. because like we don't always have production stuff going on, but look at this. Relevant to 
our guest, and th- I have to imagine this is going to be just a. Uh, we're going to put the ball in the tee, and Vin, you're going to knock it out of the park here on a segue. <laughs> Uh, now you, you've actually made me too nervous to segue. I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm choking, Grant. Okay, okay. So uh, let's actually maybe draw some more connections. I think I found this dude. Um, I think I found him after watching an episode of Small Empires with former guest. Well, wait. Okay, I, I guess he was formerly a guest, but he's still like, I guess he's now he's now he's a former guest. Okay. Uh, once a guest, always a guest once here a guest, on 10,000 Hours. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Stephen Greenwood. Um, Currently of Reddit. Of Reddit, yeah. Now, he, at the time, he was at Vox at, Ver, at Verge, I believe, and they were doing this show called Small Empires with Alexis Ohanian, and I think they did an episode at Vimeo, and they may have spoken with this gentleman. I'm not positive. I'm sure he'll illuminate us, but... Uh, I was already sort of deeper into Vimeo stuff and, and like, you know, that's a really dope platform in general. Uh, and then they kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit and uh, showed some of the faces behind it. I think that's how I found this particular gentleman. And he is a gentleman. And let's just, you know what, Vince? Let's cut the pretense. Let's just introduce him. Let's do it. Should we? I'm, I'm all ears. It's, yeah, let's It feels let's like hear the it. right time. Okay, so welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Sandy. And I think I'm pronouncing it correct. I think I am, uh, who is formerly now... A-plus job. Thank you. Wow. An A-plus so quick in the show. Like, or This is early. This is good. Uh, formerly of Vimeo... We've peaked too soon, actually. Yeah. Oh, God. What? <laughs> well, I was going to say, downhill from here, but is that not a good thing? Like, downhill speed? It's easier. Okay. Um, okay. We'll, dig in, we'll <laughs> dig into the nuances of that later. But Jason is formerly of Vimeo... And I think at the time I was, I like discovered him, he already had this thing going on. So he had started it. It's shortoftheweek.com. I think I might've even submitted at one point. It's just a really dope platform promoting dope content. Not unlike, uh, you know, what happens on, on Vimeo on staff picks, which is what he was primarily doing. And, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about that, but, uh, welcome Mr. Mr. Jason Sandy from New York or currently in New York. I don't know where he's from. You'll tell us, right? <laughs> thanks grant thanks man uh it's a pleasure to be on the podcast uh thanks for the introduction and uh i'm excited to chat with y'all lovely likewise man and let me let me do the first little bit of that let me take the reins and have the honors of asking you what have you been working on what have you been putting your time into recently well as you mentioned um i have a side of my own uh, that I founded with my partner, Andrew Allen, back in 2007 called Short of the Week. And Short of the Week, it's a platform for uh, curating and sharing the best short films in the known universe. And it's been our passion for a very long time. Uh, The kind of exposure that I got through running uh, Short of the Week uh, back back in the day was how I got my position at Vimeo, uh, which I was hired back in 2011 to be uh, one of two people who uh, picked the Vimeo staff picks. And I was at Vimeo for about five years uh, uh, through a really crazy evolutionary period of time in in the company. I think I was employee number 45 in 2011. And when I left uh, three months ago, we were up to around 250, 260 people. Crazy. 
And, uh, you know, I got to be on the front lines as uh, Vimeo staff picks morph from something that was really important, obviously, to the viewers who are watching it and to the creators that we were featuring to something that really had a strong brand in its own right and had sort of major uh, weight in industry. I, I remember I would always hear from people who, frankly, I was like, this is beyond my pay grade. I can't even believe that this person knows who I am and that they're talking to me. And it would always be like, wow, we really respect uh, Vimeo staff picks. And we also really respect what you're doing at short of the week. So um, kind of fueled with a lot of that positive reinforcement from really interesting people in the industry that I was talking to. Uh, I decided to leave Vimeo to uh, double down on some new products that we're working on at short of the week that are going to specifically help bridge uh, talent with industry to better create a better marketplace for the most promising up and coming storytellers with the creative executives who are looking for for who the hot talent is. Oof. Hell yeah. I mean, that's great. That is like, <laughs> get it closer to the nectar. That's kind of the game in general. I mean, perhaps, Vin, this is not a bad time to introduce our topic, which is is one of the more obvious ones, I feel like. A lot of times we yeah. talk. Yeah. You know? You know what? Sometimes, why, why do we always have to be so clever with the with the topics? Why can't we go for the stuff that makes good sense? You said nectar a couple seconds ago. But this week we're actually talking about cream, as in the cream that rises to the top. It's hopefully going to be a conversation about curation, about an eye for quality, some talk about taste and style and preference. But in general, what are the guidelines that maybe we all have in common for evaluating quality? Uh, And who better to do it than someone who's been so integral in curation throughout his entire career? Vinny, okay, I have two things. One, where does this actually come from? Like, I understand cream rising, but we say cream of the crop, right? What does that mean? <laughs> That's interesting. You know, I I actually don't know. I've been is like, it because is it because the the corn crops would the the best corn would be made cream. in the cream cream Man, corn? Is this is a is this a midwestern like this is a thing you've heard before, right, Jason? What cream of the crop? Yeah. Yeah, I always assumed it uh, was something that Method Man said. Huh. I mean, yeah, when in doubt, it was probably like a Method Perhaps Man thing. Perhaps he did say it. Perhaps he did say it. Mm. So let's let's start maybe at the start. And Jason, can you give us a, a quick top-line overview of what you think your responsibility as a curator at its core really means? Ooh. I should have a really tight and like... Uh, uh, well thought out uh, pithy answer but I don't know if I have one off the top okay. of my head so forgive me if I ramble a little bit yeah I, I think um, you know on the one hand you have to stay true to your own taste because experiencing art in any form is a, a subjective experience and uh, even though I make objective statements about saying that something should be worth your while or not worth your while to when I'm talking to my audience of, you know, hundreds of thousands who are kind of listening to what my picks and my team's picks are. 
Uh, I think you start by understanding your own uh, your own sort of preferences, your own sort of philosophy, and, and and trying to stay true to that. On the other hand, you know, I came up against this when I was working at Vimeo a lot too, which is where it's short of the week because it's my own creation. Uh, I can exercise a very strong level of control over what is something that is a short of the week film versus what is not a short of the week film. Uh, however, with staff picks, it was something that I inherited and I was trying to do justice to a very large Vimeo community that has people coming from many different disciplines, uh, from many different perspectives and points of views and, and national origins. So almost in complete, uh, uh, completely opposite to what I just said about saying to your own true taste, true to your own taste. I think it was it, it was an interesting evolution for me working at Vimeo, and where I realized that I did need to actually create sort of objective standards for different types of media that I didn't necessarily respond to, uh, but I knew had a community who had artists who were dedicated to it, who were passionate about it. And I needed to learn to understand their, their discipline on their own, uh, on their own level, uh, on the standards of their own community and their peers, uh, so that I could be an arbiter of taste of what was fresh and what was different and what was unique uh, about what they're doing. So there's a lot of things that I didn't bring any sort of initial... Um, opinion towards like uh, large scale projection mapping, which was very big in 2010, 2011, 2012, uh, which I had no, uh, no exposure to, frankly, before I came to Vimeo. But, you know, by God, I, I became a projection map mapping sort of expert. Uh, same thing with like time lapse and being able to tell what the difference between in, um, hyperlapse versus time-lapse uh, versus, you know, uh, the different kind of ramping techniques uh, that the more skilled uh, artisans of the time-lapse art were using, day-to-night transitions, being able to understand the sort of technical nuances mm. uh, between the sort of progression of that field was something that, likewise, I needed to, uh, to kind of master. So I think... I'm glad that you gave me permission to ramble because I definitely took you up on it. Well, no, no, I don't think so. I think it's it, it's trying to find the balance and, it, between the the inherent tension between staying true to your very sort of naive um, what your naive senses are telling you, which is like I'm really digging this, I'm yeah. really responding intuition. to this. Yeah, intuition is a good word for it versus a, a sort of intellectual um, appreciation that comes from deep knowledge yeah. of what has come before, what are the traditions of this particular uh, genre, what are the traditions of this particular discipline, and being able to understand it on a historical and sort of technical yeah, totally, level. Totally. That, I've been thinking about a lot of stuff. Uh, a way I've been describing uh, even my own taste or my own preference on things has been like completist. Like I, I really get off to the complete picture or the, I mean, nothing is fully complete, but just like, you know, when you look at an artist, 
uh, you l- looking at the piece of work in the context of all of their other work to me is really fascinating. And I think it like gives more depth to the current piece because it's informed by all the other pieces. So I think that's relevant there. I have a question in terms yeah. of like, you're, you're talking about like arbiting taste or uh, making decisions like that are less intuition based and that are more, or, or that even just you have like less control over because you were, um, you're making them for a larger community and there may be like niches within that, like Vimeo. W- was that related to you leaving? Was was the uh, uh, leaving Vimeo and like doing your own thing? Was it related to you wanting to have more control over the thing that you were curating? No, actually not. Uh, I, I find that, you know, I came into the position of Vimeo, you know, specializing in sort of narrative and documentary short form. Uh, and I came out with a solid appreciation of all sorts of other interdisciplinary arts that I hadn't had before. And frankly, I kind of miss it. Uh, <laughs> I sort of wish I had a platform still to, uh, to weigh in on music videos, to weigh in on sort of visual event art pieces, to weigh in on uh, things as varied as, you know, supercuts and film essays and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I really came to enjoy, uh, the breadth of the responsibilities in Vimeo and, um, who knows, I might try to find a way to, uh, to continue to stay true to the knowledge that I built up during that time and the, and the tastes that I was able to hone, uh, maybe not through short of the week, but maybe through some other new enterprise. Interesting. Perhaps foreshadowing again. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. We'll check back. Maybe we can chat for a minute about kind of a... Maybe it's not classic. Maybe I'm being generous in saying that it's classic, but it's something that's come up in my own life a lot as my tastes have changed over the years. Where do you... Maybe you can just talk for a minute on the phenomenon of a bad movie that I like versus a good movie movie that I don't like. Uh, In so much as you can be aware of a perceived lack of quality but still enjoy it or you can respect a certain level of quality but not enjoy it how does that impact the curation process hmm hmm that's a good question uh i would say that you know i can't speak for 100% of what exactly it is that you're you're referring to in your own sort of adventures through content. Uh, But what I do think, at least what that question means to me, is usually um, the spirit of a piece, the sort of uh, voice behind it, or so to speak, which is a sort of an ineffable, uh, hard-to-describe thing. It turns even critics into sort of mealy-mouths, sort of, jargon speakers but <laughs> hmm. oftentimes uh, a piece or a film or something has a indescribable sort of joy or power or uniqueness to its point of view uh, which is a very good sign and yet potentially the filmmaker is just captured lightning in a bottle or they have a voice that is not commensurate yet to 
their other sort of ancillary skills, their uh, their production skills, their their writing skills, and that's often what I see in the bad movie that you really respond to is you're responding to a certain joie de vivre in the spirit of the voice of the creator in making it, even though intellectually you have to say, well, you know, this is kind of clumsy, this dialogue is a little clunky, uh, so on and so forth. Whereas the fine films that you don't respond to, I tend to find are the films that are uh, in my own personal world with Shore of the Week and, and Vimeo staff pick, I, I the most clear examples to me are um, European festival winning short films where a filmmaker out of a university has his government's film board give him 60,000 euros to make something that's really polished and, you know, it's got great oversight at the script level, at the crew level, um, and he's making basically his feature film script idea, and he's cutting it down to 22, 23 minutes. And while these things are impeccably produced, and there's never anything wrong with them, they often leave me cold because they're inert. Mm -hmm. They're lacking any sort of justification, some sort of passionate justification for why they Mm -hmm. exist. Uh, and that's usually what I'm responding to when I say, oh, wow, this thing's really good, but it leaves me cold. Mm. And I think that's what we're cognizant of that at Shore of the Week. And this is something that's been a, a thread throughout my curation uh, for as long as I've been doing it, is we prize originality and new forms of storytelling at the highest of our pyramid of values. And so we will take the rough and somewhat unpolished film that has that special something that we think is really rare and we'll champion that. And yet we'll, on the flip side, we'll also kind of look aside and dismiss the film that's technically perfect in almost every single way and yet feels a little soulless. Love it. I mean, that's... That's That's the uh, single most insightful and succinct, not to fawn, but... (laughs) But to fawn. But, like, pontification on that phenomenon that I've ever heard. A lot of times you get sorts of strange justifications or rationalizations for why they like a bad movie or the bad movie's not really that bad for these reasons and actually this is pretty surprising about it. But to actually speak to the spark that was present in its creation is probably the most earnest way and it resonates a lot with me personally uh, to investigate why these quote-unquote bad uh, pieces of content are actually great Mm, i okay so i was i was answering the question recently uh there was this like it's like a like a photography magazine and the question was tra- uh, asking me to describe beauty what i what i and that's like such an avant-garde fuck like it's it's not unlike this and i was like what what is that what does that mean to me and i think how i described it was that uh most times like most art to me that is beautiful or most things that feel beautiful are like feels like they're expressing some sort of truth 
and it doesn't matter if it's like perfect, but it just feel like you can feel the truth in it. It feels like there's just and like you can put all these layers of and now I'm I'm jumping from that, but you can put all these layers of of technical ability or of polish on it, but really that is the thing. Like you can't when it's untruthful, it's a lot of times obvious. And when it's truthful, it's also obvious. Like you can really, really feel it. Yeah, I'll tentatively uh, cosign on that. A uh, there's a lot. There's there's a lot to unpack. You know, I think you could probably uh, write your sort of master's dissertation on the concept of what is beauty, and I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying. Hundreds to of people too. have for for thousands of years. Because uh, you know, sometimes I, I I'll say that. Um. I'll find an abstract animation from Buck or, you know, one of these really like dope motion production animation houses that we have a lot of here in New York. And it won't mean anything. (laughs) It'll just be like, Oh my God, that's fucking cool. And it looks so pretty. Uh, I'm a little bit of of an animation nerd myself. And so uh, I can really respond to something visually and I'm not necessarily responding to anything that's really true. Maybe that's awesome. Maybe that's awesome. mm, Maybe that's not uh, a beautiful force. I I think that comes from a place of truth. I'm not saying they're expressing this like deep, true idea, but I think like the artist is expressing a truth in their own ability at least and I'm not even just saying technically, but they're like, I, I think a lot of, and of course there's like gray area on each side, but I think a lot of the really, really great work comes from there. And maybe that's like a self-awareness then like tapping into personal ability, but I think there is a truth in that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, not, that, I'm not saying there's like a profound that, idea they're trying to express, but they're only expressing maybe it's even their own personal identity or their own personal sort of taste or skill. Yeah, because they, they've created something that achieves the apotheosis of their sort of talent and their point of view, where they are in the journey of their sort of artistic career and evolution. And if they do a great job in that, in representing both what their capabilities are, as well as, you know, their influences and point of view, there's something beautiful about uh, achieving that. Yeah, and there's just a certain level of quality where it's like they can be an not empty, but it could it it's like a song. Uh, it's like a song that doesn't have like a super deep meaning, but is produced at a really high level from someone who is a a deep meaning kind of person. And these are all like sort of murky descriptors. But I really feel like generally, if someone has that intention and that skill level, then the thing they create often has that same level of feeling. And I'm like clutching my fist right now. And I'm feeling, <laughs> but, but really, I don't know. I just like, I think, I think it really is like, there's something kind of visceral about, about that expression. And I, I don't, yeah. So, <laughs> Jason, I would like to maybe dive just a level, one level deeper, maybe not like four levels deeper, but but definitely one, uh, and talk about some specifics about curation. Uh, So a very brief premise, I was a music reviewer for an online magazine for a couple years. It was very, very 
um, low profile. So don't don't get any ideas in your head about me being an influencer or anything. But what always kind of jammed my radar, so to speak, was groups that were specifically and purposefully lowering their technical quality as a sort of effort of deconstruction or maybe to put it in the parlance of the times, a sort of ironic approach to it where intentionally lo-fi or prudential or sorry, or intentionally underproduced or sometimes intentionally campy, maybe to use an overused adjective. Do you ever encounter some of these same uh, obstacles or confusing you know, narrative moments in the work that you do, or have you kind of has experience alone allowed you to sift through that more easily? Um, yeah, I, obviously, you know, the world of, of short film is incredibly broad and vast and there's people who are bringing to bear all sorts of approaches. I will say that I think rather more less so than in some of the arts do you see uh intentionally deconstructed or i see encounter intentionally deconstructed work or sort of faux naive uh work less frequently insofar as short film by and large is still the domain of uh people who are starting out in their careers um, I believe very strongly in that it's a medium that has its sort of strengths and its benefits independent of it being a calling card uh, for a future career, but practically because monetization ha- hasn't really been sorted out for short form, and I don't think it's about to be sorted out anytime on the near horizon. For in all practical intents and purposes, short films are being made by people who are trying to leverage them into making something else, be it TV, be it film, be it commercial work. And if you are approaching it with that mindset, you're generally trying to put your best foot forward. And you're trying to say that this is the highest capability that I'm able to produce uh, on a visual level, on a technical level, on a story level. And you're also relatively fresh and new to the industry and so a lot of what I think you're what it sounded to me like you're describing is is sort of the province of more advanced artists who you can only learn to sound like you just picked up guitar a week ago if you're actually a a guitar master (laughs) because (laughs) because before you can uh, make it sound appealingly naive you actually have to really know what it is that you're deconstructing backwards and forwards first. That uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's really something I hadn't considered, but it makes complete sense. And it it goes to show that in curation, the medium in which you're curating plays a monumental role. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you're, you're of a secondary order to, you know, the people and the movements whom are making the art in the medium that you're, you're critiquing or that you're curating. Um, you know, again, criticism, again, is always a 
second order art form. And so you have to remember that it's the artists who are in the arena, who are creating, who are driving uh, the conversation and driving the narrative. Uh, And you have to respect that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe to that point, though, you can talk a little bit about, uh, we've kind of uh, brushed against it on earlier iterations of this show uh, in earlier episodes, but uh, the nature of criticism and the reaction to criticism, selection and curation is in some ways a very high level form of criticism. You're choosing, so to speak, the best by a certain metric what sort of maybe lower level in the weeds obstacles do you run into? Are there disagreements? Uh, you mentioned on on Pick of the Week there was only two of you, but even between the two of you, were there taste clashes? Was there friction? Were there reactions? Were there people campaigning for their own work? Uh, how did you deal with all of those various inputs? Uh, sure. Yeah, no, at Short of the Week... Um we're actually a loose uh, network of uh, over 13 contributors now at this point. And so we have um, uh, a sort of, we have some sort of backend tools in which we evaluate submissions that come through to us as well as sort of original work that may come through our individual networks or things that, Maybe we were just tooling around on Vimeo that afternoon and saw and and wanted to get other people's opinions on. Uh, shout out to a company that's been really good to us, uh, Submittable, uh, which is a startup uh, right around where you guys are, I think, uh, in the sort of uh, north of the country. Minnesota, I think, yeah. is Submittable. Is. They, uh, They're based in, in Minnesota? I believe so, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and they they have a sort of editorial backend solution that we use at short of the week that uh, has really saved our bacon, um, and it allows us to to have multiple editors kind of have a complete record of weighing in on individual films, and we often have some spirited debates, uh, but the spirited debates tend to resolve themselves well because what we have is we have a shared framework for how we sort of evaluate films and we have a shared framework of what it is that we sort of prioritize uh, in in the work that we feature. And usually if you talk through a film with another person through that framework, you end up coming to a sort of mutual understanding at the end. What so, is, what does um, the framework look like, or what are the even like? It's just an articulation of values. It's an articulation of values. So, for example, I, I mentioned to you when we were talking about um, just a few minutes ago, like our number one value is new forms of storytelling, and so that's the tip of the pyramid: is trying to discover people who are pushing storytelling and film and frankly visual media forward in fresh new ways that's our number one principle what we're looking for and so a film will say uh, an editor might see something and be like wow this really responded to me but you know x y and z is kind of junky and 
somebody else will be like, nope, you're right, you're spotting something that's really fresh and original here. We can forgive the fact that this is really junky. Or vice versa, you know, the situation of being like, wow, uh, this filmmaker had a $60,000 budget and you can really see it on the camera uh, or on the screen. But minutes two through 12 were almost completely telegraphed and I knew everything that was going to happen in the order that it happened and it really made me want to scrub through the timeline on the player, on the video player. And so in that situation, you'll often have an editor who discovers it being like, oh, but it's so immaculately produced and it looks so good. And then you'll have another person being like, yeah, but that's not the most important thing to us. Mm. And uh, and then you're like, you know, you're right. Um, I definitely wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to hit fast forward in the middle of this film too. And more often than not, we, we tend to come to some sort of consensus in that regard. Mm. Yeah, the importance of a shared vision, right? And um, understanding, because curation and critique isn't always about finding the objective best. <clears throat> it's about finding, uh, it's about meeting a standard that you set at the beginning of the critique process. And so yeah, being clear great. on that is important, sounds like. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, if you don't have a statement of values, you can end up being really lost in what I mentioned originally, which is just the uh, the proclamation of your own sort of reaction or taste. And that's not a platform for meaningful dialogue because you can't really have a shared conversation about feelings that well. Um, emotion is uh, orthogonal to reason and reason is how we deliberate and how we come to consensus. That said, you know, you have to prize emotion too and we always tell our editors at Short of the Week that if you feel strongly about something, uh, fight, uh, fight us uh, all the way. Um, yeah. and, and if someone is really passionate on our team, we recognize that they're on our team for a reason. It's because they're sharp, they know their stuff, and they have good taste. And I'm willing to look aside on something that, frankly, I don't get or is not my cup of tea if I'm seeing that kind of emotional passion in one of my writers. So, uh, again, you know, it, like I said at the beginning, it's a balancing act between emotion and reason. It's a balancing act between personal uh, response versus sort of objective uh, intellectual evaluation. But generally, I think 90 5% of our debates around certain films are cleared up because of this shared framework of values that, you know, my partner Andrew and I were able to implement uh, at Short of the Week's founding uh, from the very start. Hmm. A lot of interesting parallels, I think, even uh, between artistic integrity or artistic viewpoint and it's just the way you guys are approaching what you're doing and as artists having a set of values versus and having you know logic versus uh just tapping in your intuition with the decisions you're making for the piece you're making or the art you're making 
I mean, I, yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, what you're doing is artistic, very, very artistic. Yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, I see a lot of short films where I'm just like, the script is ineptly written. It's like they didn't get any feedback, and I get sort of angry. Yet at the other side, the flip side is is that you read every single fucking Sid Field how-to book, <laughs> and you produce a very sort of cookie-cutter script that uh, nobody wants wants that either. So, yeah, <laughs> it is a balance, though. Yeah, of course, all things, but. <laughs> Yeah, it, you're you're told to like follow these things, but a lot of a lot of artistic expression, especially novel or interesting artistic expression, is just being risky with it. And with that, I think the acknowledgement is maybe you don't get a short of the week. Maybe you don't get X with some of them because they're a little bit too risky, a little bit too out there. But I think that I think maybe uh, one of the values of some of the things you're doing is it informs the creators in ways it gives like very real feedback i think that's also something you employ don't you like you if you submit to short of the week don't you get feedback yeah we have two tiers of submissions at short of the week um uh we have a tier at thirty dollars which gives you an answer within seven days about whether you're going to be accepted to short of the week or not um and now we have a $60 tier, which will give you that same answer direct from one of our editors within seven days, but then we'll also give you personalized feedback. Cool. And um, it's been really successful. I cringed uh, when my partner Andrew came up with this idea because I was like, people don't actually want <laughs> to know the truth. Like I was, I've, I'm a person who, if I'm asked to give feedback, I give it straight. And which is why I try to avoid having to be placed in a situation where I have to give feedback as much as possible because I'm scared that people who are very close to their work and they're, and they're putting a lot of their own sort of emotion and self-worth into their output, uh, or at least this is how I thought before, I didn't think that they actually wanted real honest feedback. You know, I didn't come from an arts program. Uh, I never went to film school. I never went to design school or anything like that where this kind of process of real sort of sometimes brutal feedback is often ingrained in young creators at a very early stage. So I was, I was frankly kind of hesitant. Mm -hmm. And yet we started giving feedback, uh, to our short of the week submission process maybe about three years ago. And I've been really, really surprised. Um, you know, often we don't, we won't hear back from the filmmaker maybe 80% of the time. Uh, but of that other 20%, like I'd say 90% of those responses are like, Oh, thank you. This is really thoughtful. And it really jived with a lot of what I'd been thinking about my film myself and it was really good to have that sort of suspicion validated or also wow you know I never really thought of it that way it really gives me something to think about and I, I really appreciate it 
Uh, and then, of course, there's the 10% of, like, did you even watch the fucking film? Like, <laughs> you said that, blah, 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 you know, whatever. You ignore that. But it's, it's a small blip compared to a lot of um, really genuinely uh, emotional and positive feedback that we've gotten. And it was something that was a risk, too, because, you know, we created submissions to Short of the Week as, you know, a way for us to find better content and then also to have a monetization model that could actually afford to look at the submissions. Because for years we were getting 500, 600 submissions a month and they were all completely ignored because we had no bandwidth in which to deal with it. Uh, And so then by switching to a sort of paid submission model the same way that a film festival might, we're able to pay our writers and our screeners to evaluate them. And yet, we definitely over-promised or, and over-delivered compared to any film festival that I've ever seen by giving people the answer in such a quick turnaround, seven days, so they're not sitting in limbo about what they should be doing with their film or what their film strategy should be going forward. And then also uh, the feedback, which you know, no major festival that I know of does, sometimes uh, programmers, and, and I know a lot of programmers at film festivals, they will respond after the festival to, uh, after the lineup is locked. They'll respond to people that they personally invited to submit to give them a little bit of an explanation of like, oh, it was close, I'm sorry. Uh, but frankly, nobody else gives that kind of feedback in the in the film in the short film world and uh and they don't really want to either so well then let me take the opportunity just to say thank you for for that for that level of generosity i'm i'm sure the people who submit appreciate it it sounds like their response to your feedback indicates that and i think it goes to show that the respect for craft goes both ways People respect thoughtful and earnest feedback, and I think that's what you're giving people. Um, so, awesome! I'm I'm super excited about the model that you guys are using, and it's it's eye opening to me. I had no idea that all this went into it. I didn't. I had no idea so many submissions were part of the process, and it's it's really it's been cool to kind of investigate it totally Vinny. i think it's um well it's it's especially interesting just because of the nature of of access to tools means more creators internet platforms all this stuff um and when we're talking about feedback i think a lot of creators are craving feedback they're looking for it and sometimes maybe perhaps it's not deserved but other times it really is and i think what you're doing is truly valuable um but cravings Vinny. cravings Grant, you you sly dog. You snuck a segue by me again. Like a ship passing in the night, as they say, Vin. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this because last night as we wrapped, it was maybe 3, 3.30 or something, and uh, I was pretty hungry. And I just got to thinking, what what would I possibly want? What I mean, it's obviously not exactly midnight, but uh, the OTT this week is uh, is maybe midnight snacks, is a late night snack, perhaps a craving, craving snacks in general. 
Uh, kind of. I wouldn't go it, full it, snacks on general. Well, yeah, maybe not. In, in your moment of, in a, in a strange moment, in your moment of maybe stress or relief or maybe seclusion, for what snack do you reach? And perhaps we can turn that question to <laughs> Mr. Jason. Immediately on to Jason. <laughs> what, what's your uh, late night snack scenario looking like, Jason? Not so good. Um, I just moved to a new uh, a new apartment a week ago, and I haven't gone grocery shopping. And I promptly got sick, so I haven't really eaten much of anything for a week. Oof. But uh, what I am really excited about for my new apartment is this area of New York actually has fast food. Nice. Which my section of Brooklyn did not have at all. What what's the fast food choice for one Jason Sandy when he's craving such a snack? I think it's gotta be it's gotta be Taco Bell. It's gotta Respect. be uh living the Vita Loca. <laughs> living the Vita Loca. Uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's a tagline. It's uh you know, what was it? There was that great uh there was a great midnight sort of ad campaign that Taco Bell. Fourth meal, uh, fourth meal. Fourth meal, yeah, exactly. Fourth meal's great. Uh, yeah, I, I have to respect it. that choice. What, what's your order when you go to Taco Bell? Um, I, I tend to be really classic, like number one combo, like burrito supreme, taco, uh, taco supreme with a drink. Respect. That's what I've always uh, said. <laughs> Supreme or bust respect? Yes, yes, that that specifically. <laughs> uh, Vinny, uh, Vinny, what about Bell's, you, man? Taco Bell's a good fast food place, too. Uh, they they just uh, employed one of our Short of the Week alums uh, this last year to do a couple of Super Bowl commercials for them. So. Sweet. Oh, no kidding. That's got to be exciting to see the network like sort of go out and prosper, hopefully. That, yeah, man, no, I, I, yeah. I, I get geeked. Uh, I get geeked for all the brands that that hire uh, alums that have come through uh, our sort of network, and um, it's a fun game as well to look at a new high-profile commercial on the TV and then try to guess who did it yeah. before you go and find out on the internet. You know, totally. So the most recent one that I actually got right. Uh, was uh, this Hennessy commercial uh, that's been playing quite a bit about uh, an adventurer, son and father. The father was the first to go to the stratosphere or something like that. The son was the first to reach the ocean's deepest point. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, it's total shot in the dark, but I think this is Daniel Wolf. Nice. And sure enough. Nailed it. And then Mr. Wolf finds himself not only guest on the lips of one Jason Sandy, but also in our show notes. Very, <laughs> very interesting. Man, I have a lot of respect for just your ability to, to pluck an answer, to have such an intimate knowledge of the industry that you're actually able to venture a, an educated guess. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we who are in this biz, it's like our own secret language that frankly nobody else speaks. And so it tends to tie us pretty close together. And so, you know, 
I'll have very fun, geeky conversations with like Claude Dett, who uh, runs shorts programming for South by Southwest, because we speak the kind of mutual language of, you know, American short films of the last seven or eight years that only a handful of other people <laughs> on the planet can speak. And so, uh, you know, it's something that you can kind of bond over, especially when you're spending so much of your time with it. It's it's an it's odd to be so obsessed and so immersed in something that you can't really share with like your significant other totally. or something like it's that. It's an in language. It's super it's super interesting to me too because I feel like I don't talk to I feel like I talk to directors somewhat, but to talk to people who are who appreciate the craft and appreciate the output or the results, um, it's just like it is so. Especially I, sometimes I feel like directing stuff. And depending, you know, I, I am based out of Minneapolis, but it's like, you feel like you're like on an Island sometimes you're like, God, nobody else here like knows what, <laughs> what I'm talking about, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's odd. But am I the only one that's alive? Yeah, seriously. Um, I mean, thank thank God for the internet. Like the internet does connect that, those dots, but, um, uh, Vinny. Okay. 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 Wow. We went in topic on our, the off topic yeah, topic. Our guest has retopicked us, which is a cardinal sin here in the off topic topic. <laughs> Oof, that's hey, that's gonna dock some points off his final score here. <laughs> Who knows where, where that'll put him in the final rankings? But Vinny, tell me a bit about your maybe yeah yeah your your late night. Do you have uh, late night cravings or or even maybe just uh, some of your your guilty pleasures? Oh man, I'm a I'm like a terrible snack fiend. But what I don't have, maybe for better or for worse, is a sweet tooth. It's um I'm 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 much more on the on the salty snacks game. Uh, a big fan of making myself. This is probably the worst possible iteration of a late night craving. But I like homemade nachos. Ooh. And uh, just a platter, a decadent pile of cheese and tortilla chip, and hot sauce, and and really nothing else, even mildly substantive. And uh, that's that's kind of my go-to after hours. Respect. I mean, that I feel like I, I used to make that maybe as a uh, no. Well, I was gonna say as a child, but I didn't want to equate the two as if you were being a child. I just oh, it's it's a childish craving. It is. It's like completely unhealthy. It's like it's semi inconvenient to make. It's there's really nothing really going for it other than the cheesy goodness. Respect. I mean, I'm about it. I Grant, think, Grant, yeah. why don't you? Why don't you reciprocate? Yeah, I'm trying What's to your think. Snack I feel like choice? my go-to snack, I think it's maybe even just like nervous tick-wise, is like something crunchy and uh, like a, those like cr- sort of crispy flat pretzels. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Pretzel crisps. Pretzel crisps. Yeah. Just uh, I had the word order wrong. Those. Those are, <laughs> those are good go-to for me. Um, also like uh, Talenti Gelato. Oh, the the darling of our podcast, oft mentioned and revered. Truly, I, they sent some uh, gelato to former guest Paul Jarvis on our behalf after after an errant promise by me to send him some. <laughs> hey, uh, truly, truly, we had overstepped our bounds, but they delivered because they are an awesome brand. Yeah, uh, so that that'll do it for me. What I like about that is like I can have a little bit, well, and yeah, I'll feel like satisfied. Other things that's like hard for me to find satisfaction. Yeah. What was that, Jason? Well, if brands, if brands are listening to this and they're sending stuff out, I'll, I'll let them know that while you guys were describing your guilty pleasure, I was actually going ahead 
and took the opportunity to sneak away from my computer to get my guilty pleasure, which was the second pour of my McAllen 12-year scotch. Oh, oh my. McAllen, if you're listening... You can feel free to send me a bottle. And undoubtedly, uh, McCown Rep is listening right now. I know they've been they've been on us for a while. Uh, nice. That that's is, that's a mean, great. That's a great one. So when we talk about late night snacks, the nightcap is kind of the the sister spiritually to that phenomenon. Uh, I also enjoy a neat whiskey uh, after hours, especially especially if I'm. In the in the rare opportunity to do some creative writing, I love to kind of dress up like a writer and pour myself a, <laughs> Wait, a couple what fingers. What does your writer outfit good. look like, Vince? <laughs> well, my writer outfit is like an invisible outfit. It's just like I put on a slight air of gravitas. I pour myself a whiskey that's nicer than I can realistically afford day in and day out, and I I kind of like hunch over my desk importantly and that's how I, I write i write like that whoo i want to okay, let me shoot that sometime i want to just i want to okay it's pretty ugly i know it's but, beautiful it really is all right so we'll get i mean it's a little bit more expensive than a pint of gelato but we'll try to get an, a bottle your way i have no promises <laughs> yeah no promises we have <laughs> We have overpromised Pat, why don't far you get too many times. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do that. Pat is our editor, which we <laughs> many, many times we we instruct him within the episode to do some sort of uh, audio gag way outside <laughs> any sort. Of <laughs> this approach. might be this might be a bridge too far, uh, but great answer. And and let me qu- quick backpedal and say, great conversation overall. Appreciate not only your generosity, Jason, with uh, short of the week and all the work that you do, but also in this conversation, it has been really illuminating and really insightful, and I dare say a lot of fun. So thank you so so much for joining us. My pleasure, gents. Uh, best of luck going forward with uh, with all your projects. Well, we appreciate that, but I maybe prematurely set up a, it did a sign. Seem, it did seem like a farewell. It felt like you were bowing <laughs> over. <laughs> I, I still you were tipping, you're tipping your writerly hat with the feather and you, you had a, a pencil behind your ear. Uh, that may have been zealous. Um, we do actually have a couple final quick questions for you, Jason. <laughs> you have the time and opportunity. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't in any hurry, but you know, you went to the joke question. Uh, what's yeah. your What's your late night snack? Uh, it seemed like we were yeah, winding anyway. down. Yeah. I thank you. It, I we we handed you, you a cigarette as we laid in bed. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I I have a second heavy pour here, so you know I've got all the time in the world here. I mean, this. let's take advantage. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into it. Um, we have two questions that we like to to ask to kind of wrap the convo. Uh, the first one is. Hey, Jason, how can our listeners support you? Sure. Yeah, you should um, go ahead and check out shortoftheweek.com, all written out in one word. And uh, all you have to do is kind of enjoy the work that we do. Um, You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, You can sign up for our site and get a newsletter that will give you a recap of all the week's films. Uh, comes to your inbox every Sunday afternoon. Great way to have a lazy, lazy afternoon of watching some of the best independent uh, young voices in film. 
And, uh, yeah, and if you're a filmmaker, go ahead and, and if you like what you see and you want to be part of our network of some of the best uh, films on the Internet and some of the most accomplished creators uh, on the Internet, then go ahead and, and give it a shot and send a, a submission our way. Um, like we said, we, we watch all of them very carefully. We get you an answer within seven days. And if you are selected uh, to be part of Short of the Week, uh, you know, that's something that kind of is a gift that gives up, keeps on giving. You know, we have offline events that we're starting to uh, really ramp up on, including screenings. We have um, sort of a community on Facebook of alums who've been featured on the site. It's a great sort of club uh, of really accomplished people who can give you feedback or can give you sort of advice on various aspects of your career or the technical aspects of films or just recommendations on, you know, services or people to work with. Um, and then obviously, you know, we have this new sort of chapter in Short of the Week uh, that we're tentatively calling the short list, which is basically uh, the code word for a lot of different efforts of where we're trying to bring really talented new filmmakers to the attention uh, of industry who could really use really young, fresh, bright, talented filmmakers. And so, you know, obviously being part of the Short of the Week family puts you at the front of the line for any sort of curation that we might be doing for brands, might be doing for development executives as well. And we'd love to have you be a part of that. Man, and uh, so I will say on the on the flip side of that, uh, it's like that. that's fantastic. I think that's really cool. I think there are layers of involvement there. But even just from any level of creator, going to Short of the Week and watching some of these films is just inspiring. It, it's it's not unlike, you know, like watching staff picks. It's not unlike watching really good things or taking in any sort of level of art. But, like, I think you guys are doing such a good job curating really, really dope stuff. It's like spending time there is such – it's a really worthwhile investment for, for any creator. Even if you're not a filmmaker, maybe a photographer, maybe you're a designer, a writer. I think they're just, like – such depth to the stuff you guys are putting out and I think it's it's really awesome so thank you really thank you for the work you're doing yeah you know one of my sort of fellow compatriots in this online curation game a guy named Marbell from a site called Director's Notes Oh yeah. Uh, he had a tweet that really resonated with me uh, maybe a month ago he's just like what the fuck are you doing if you're making short films and yet you don't watch short films yeah <laughs> like I, I mean, yeah. A writer um, who doesn't read is yeah, is not a writer. Consume right? the medium, my friend. <laughs> exactly. It's it's it just it boggles my mind sometimes. Um, so yeah, it definitely. If you're if you're creating, watch what the people who are doing it at the highest level are doing, and you might learn something. That's uh, I mean a generous answer to the question and. Uh, a, a generous point of view in general. Um, one, one more act of generosity. <laughs> if, 
If you would have our listeners take take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be, Jason? <sighs> I think I it would be sliding down. Yeah, the I the think... poignant gulp. <laughs> you know, don't underestimate fourth meal. No, I kid. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like the good. pause. The pause felt. I was like, geez, like did That's you take profound, that the wrong way? Really. Yeah, respect, respect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't I guess it's. Uh, I think. I think maybe the most important. If I'm trying to think back uh, through this Hayes and McCown, like you mentioned, as to what we <laughs> talked about, um, I would say that probably the most important thing is interrogate and examine your values and make sure that your that you have a sort of evaluative framework in which you can be a critic because we're all critics that's the nature of the internet nowadays we, we consume so much and we have such strong opinions about things uh, but especially if you're a creative person and you want to get into criticism, curation, or into creating your own work. Um, do the dogged work of looking within and figuring out what it is that resonates with you, what you respond to, and what intellectually you value. And create that framework because it will guide you through hundreds of future sort of small and large decisions in your sort of creative career if you have things that you hold on to deeply that you can fall back on man i mean you are you're whispering into the the ear of our show which for two years was fixated on this idea of self-awareness and even just like i think for for vince and i uh, but in my own journey as artist, it's it's a lot of you know thinking about oh what do I have to say what is my taste you know what is my voice all those things and I think that's like fantastic advice because that is the only thing that will weather the storm and it's also something that seems thankless like that work the dogged work you mentioned it seems really really thankless or uh, unappreciated because there's no real hard metric or feedback on it it's kind of soft in a lot of ways but i feel like longer term it starts to become clear which is looking within looking outside and really thinking critically and then applying that to your own work it's um it can be tough business but man it's so so helpful yeah i think we're just we're predisposed now because we have so much sensory input uh to not go to the quiet place Mm. and process any of it and a lot of people think that productivity or learning is finding new ways to insert more and more inputs and that sort of magically organically those inputs will transmorph into something that's really exciting as an output and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you know, it's against the nature of our culture right now, but you need to find the time to be still and to, uh, and to really process all, all that input and, and create the framework that you can process it through 
because it'll save you a lot of time going forward. Wow. Well, well said. And thank you for your input. And uh, maybe we should begin the, the processing process now. This would be a good time. <laughs> processing good process. Okay. Um, so we're, we're going to sign off now. Shepherd us I, I feel like I should please. premise the actual ending of the show instead of just alluding to it. Um, but we sign off in a, in a customary fashion. We do it the same way every week. We ask our guests to give us a pronouncement of our mantra, which is the two words, ship it. So, Jason Sani, <laughs> if, you could, if you could be so kind as to give us a ship it, we would be eternally grateful. Anything for you, gents. <laughs> Three, two, one. Ship it! <laughs> <laughs>